0: Welcome to the Burley Gunner Show. Welcome to the Burley Gunner Show on the Cleveland Sports Fan Network, ClevelandSportsFan.com, and Apple Podcast Red Circle. I'm your host, Burley Gunner, and congratulations to the Atlanta Braves. My preseason pick to win the World Series took home the crown last night against the Houston Astros. Even without Ronald Acuna Jr., the Braves got it done. They got it done. I mean, without their best player, without their phenom, they went on the road and got it done. With all the pressure that Atlanta has, blowing leads, blowing, you know, blowing the Super Bowl, you know, now everything. Everything. They blew they blew a lead last year in the postseason. Everything. They took on the crown last night. And shout out to them. Because you know what? They went out and they got it done. They got it done at the at the trade deadline. Jorge Soler won your World Series MVP. Most valuable player. He, I mean, he took over the team. He took over the World Series. Eddie Rosario was huge. Adam Duvall went deep. He had a grand slam in the World Series. Jock Peterson went to Atlanta, put the pearls on, and balled out. You can't say enough about this Atlanta Braves team. I mean, you just can't. They were obviously supposed to be in the situation at the beginning of the season. I'm not saying that they weren't. Again, I picked them to win the World Series, to beat the White Sox in the World Series. That was my preseason prediction. But Ronald Acuna goes down. They're already trending downward, hovering the 500 mark before the All-Star break. Who who exactly expected the Atlanta Braves to come out and do anything? In fact, when they added all these guys, I said, "What are they doing?" I said, "Oh, you have got to be kidding me! You're not gonna you're not serious right now." But it worked. I mean, they they Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albie's those were the that's the one two punch after Ronald Acuna Jr. Shame on me for not thinking they could pull it out. They did, and I'm so happy for them. You know, we talked about the Dodgers being, you know, the highest payroll in baseball. They had the comfort, all right? They had the luxury, the patience, the time to build what was supposed to be a repeat World Series. That that team was supposed to go back-to-back, especially what they did at the trade deadline. So who did better at the trade deadline, the Dodgers or the Braves? Instead instead, Instead, the Braves, with their backs against the wall, trailing in their own division. They lose their best player, the best player in the league, Ronald Acuna Jr., and they figure out a way to not only come back and win the NL East, they won the whole freaking thing. And I'm happy for them. And I can't wait to see them try to run it back next year with Acuna. Because, I mean, this team is special. The bullpen, the pitching, not, not, the starting pitching was was fair in the postseason. The bullpen, you know, held its own, but throughout the regular season, I, you know, I don't know. I don't think that it should be um, ignored how bad the bullpen was at the beginning of the season and throughout the season. Held it held it down throughout the uh, the World Series, but it, it's also mentioned that the the Astros bullpen is probably worse. It is worse. So there are definitely some holes to fix there. And they may be able to do that because I don't know about Freddie Freeman. You know, and it sucks. Freeman may be gone. You know, we're just going to have to, we're going to have to see, but they have to find a way to save money. He's going to be a free agent. I don't know if they should, I don't know if they can pay him, you know, a lot of money, lock themselves into another contract because Ronald Acuna Jr.'s contract is going to need extended here in a couple of seasons, it's it's inevitable that that's what they need to do. That's the route they need to go, not Freddie Freeman, in my personal opinion. So I don't think that they can keep them both. Maybe a one-year deal for Freddie Freeman, but think about if Freddie Freeman is gone. That's your highest-paid player as of now, $22 million. Now, obviously, Ronald Acuna is going to get that money once he's eligible in, in later on in his career he's worth that money okay but with him being out maybe it's a time for a one-year contract one-year deal try to go repeat that world series again you know but if not maybe just maybe you spend that 22 million dollars beef up the bullpen a little bit I don't know if Rosario and Duvall and Soler and Peterson I don't know if they're all coming back I I would imagine not. I would imagine that they're not all going to be back. But if they are, I mean... That's a really solid lineup with with already Ozzy Albie's and then Ronald Acuna Jr. who are are the two young centerpieces of this team. You know Freddie Freeman's been around the block a little bit. He's probably going to go. I would not be shocked. Like I said, if he is on a one year contract next year to try to repeat a World Series, but if if the Braves don't if the Braves don't re-sign Acuna or excuse me if they don't re-sign or don't keep Freddie Freeman and they just roll with Ozzie Albies and Acuna and Swanson I mean damn it that's that's going to be good enough especially when you have that 22 million dollars that you're going to be able to spend elsewhere and try to get better because I don't think the Braves were the best team this year I really don't I, I I really don't throughout the regular season throughout the postseason I just don't think that I think they matched up really well with the teams that they played in the postseason but I I think that next year they could even be better even without Freddie Freeman. And, and, and it's not like Acuna, Acuna, be, I don't want to hear this. Acuna being out of the lineup does not make the Braves better. That makes absolutely no sense, especially when you're talking about baseball terms. This isn't football, okay? This isn't Odell, which leads me to my next point. Odell, the whole Odell thing. Maybe the Browns just are better without Odell. I don't know. I'm not convinced on that. I don't see how that's possible. He still spreads the field. He still, it helps a lot. It opens up, he he, he opens up the play action. He opens up the run game. He draws safeties. If you watch the defense, uh, the opposing defense against the Browns, he draws safeties over to his side, which frees up Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples, Jones, Jarvis Landry. Watch it. Okay, don't be, don't be rigid Browns fan and and see that he has one catch. Watch it. Watch the tape. And I, I know you saw that video and I know this isn't all on Odell. Okay, but I'm not convinced that the Browns are necessarily better without Odell. It may be a Baker thing. I'm not sure why Baker can't get him the ball. Here's what I'm going to say before I dive into this, because I mean, turmoil, what seems like in the Browns locker room, but it's not. Trust me. Listen. Here's what I want to say before I do this. The problem with Odell Beckham Jr. in Cleveland, and whether this is a a head coach problem, whether this is a Baker problem, whether this is, I mean, this personally can't be an Odell problem unless he's just running the wrong routes. The problem lies they are using OBJ incorrectly the proper way to be using odell beckham junior is to get him the football close to the line of scrimmage and let him act as a weapon on his feet with the ball like like a running back odell beckham junior is not a deep ball downfield first guy. I know he made the catch in New York that highlighted his career and put him on the map. I get that. I'm not saying he's a one-hit wonder at all. Odell Beckham Jr. is best in open field space with the ball already in his hands. For example, he lines up wide right. He runs a three to four yard in route, slant route or out route. You give him the football and see what he can do on his legs because in a lot of cases, he's the fastest guy on the field. Okay. If you run him at the 20 yard line, say out of a touchback on first down and 10, if you want to throw the ball, give it to Odell three to four yards on a slant route over the middle of the field. He will catch the ball and make defenses miss and make defenses get burned. Okay. Now let's talk about the video that I posted on the Cleveland Sports Fan Facebook page. Yesterday I talked about this. This was an 11 minute video about Baker Mayfield missing odell beckham jr okay so now we have to talk about odell beckham senior because he posted it on his social media and also had a comment to this tweet from someone on twitter young mufasa seven tweets no matter what anyone says i can tell baker just doesn't want odell the ball he can have the excuses in the world but it shows He just genuinely doesn't want to give Odell the ball, and when he does, it's usually in a bad situation to make it look bad on Odell. Either, sorry, this grammar is not the best. Either he's hating on Odell, or he just doesn't want him shining for real, for real. You can't tell me otherwise at this point. Here's the thing. Odell Beckham Sr. tweeted, green check mark, green check mark, green check mark. Okay, so here's what the timeline is for Odell Beckham Jr. The video of Baker is is, is spiraling the media two days ago. Everyone sees it. No comments by the Browns players. No comments by family members. Nothing yet, okay? Then it was shared the next day by Odell's dad. So after all the fans talked about it, after all the fans saw it, Odell's dad did not make it better by sharing that on his social media. And then the comment on Twitter from young Mufasa 7 is is really what spiraled it even more because not only did he share it, but he's he's pretty much insinuating that yes, this is Baker's fault. And I don't think Baker's 100% to blame even though he is the most to blame if you watch the video. So, the the next thing that happens is the media scrambles and now this morning Kevin Stefanski says they're holding out on Odell in practice, okay? The next thing is Odell's representatives meet with Andrew Barry to discuss the future. That's where we are. That's all we know. So here's the thing. These are the options for Odell Beckham Jr. and the Cleveland Browns. And they're all legitimate. They're, they, they should all be considered. And I mean, I guess I, I see three options, but I guess you could squeeze a fourth one in there. We'll talk about it. But here we go. You, the options are you either, option one, you figure it out, you know, on the field and you, you just make amends, you move forward, you beat Cincinnati and shut everybody up because obviously this could just be a huge misunderstanding. Bear with me. Unlikely, but it could be a misunderstanding. You know, Odell could have said, or Odell's dad could have tweeted this or, and Odell called him and said, nah, you're wrong. You know, this isn't, this isn't right. I think, I think you're absolutely wrong because from what I have seen with the Browns inside the locker room at Lake Travis, everything else, it seems like Odell Beckham Jr. wants to be there. And I'm still going to be convinced that that is the case because of a, again, in a press conference in uh, Minnesota after a win, he said this, this was from Odell Beckham Jr. on October 7th. Okay, after 14-7 win in Minnesota, and he didn't get the ball much. He said, we got to look at positives. We're winning. I think it'd be easier to create a little controversy if we were losing. So keep the train rolling 3-1. and one. Well, they're losing now. Okay, so th- they're losing now. So there's that. Option number two is settling a deal with Odell to free him up of making a stipulation where he can only go to, say, a non-AFC North team or, or, or a NFC team, because ultimately what the last thing you want is to get rid of Odell Beckham Jr. You've already paid him some sort of money this season, getting rid of the last end of his contract and then having him burn you on the field. That's the last thing that you want to happen. Option three would be treat him like Deshaun Watson. Keep him off the field. Eat the contract, which I think the Browns this year, they could just afford it. They will just afford to eat the contract, be like an extra $7.5 million, pay the full 15, and, and, and keep him on the sideline or not with the team, however you want to state it. That's, I mean, that I think right there is the more realistic option because I don't think that they're going to allow him to go anywhere. Because keep in mind, even an NFC team, this is the Browns. We are talking about the Super Bowl. You do not want this man going to Green Bay or Tampa Bay and burning you in the Super Bowl. And I know Cleveland, we're four and four. How could you be talking about the Super Bowl? I still am. Listen to the show yesterday. I broke down the schedule with Dr. Dog. They will be in the playoffs. We will here here shortly we will go over the Baltimore Ravens fi- finishing schedule the back the back nine of their schedule and and I will explain to you why not only do I believe the Cleveland Browns will overcome this and make the playoffs but I think the Cleveland Browns will overcome this and win the division okay that's what I think All right let me dive into this for a second just just a quick second I just want to say this Um if you're a sports better, you obviously take a look at the game lines for Sunday's action, probably ahead of, uh, ahead of the week, like I do. I look at it, you know, week before. What I noticed was, even though at Arrowhead, the, the Chiefs were a pick'em even odds against the Green Bay Packers. And now today there's reports that Aaron Rodgers tests positive for COVID-19. He will not play against Kansas City. And it's almost like, and I said this, it's almost like Vegas knew that Aaron Rodgers was going to have COVID. It's almost like Aaron Rodgers had COVID and then it, the news broke days later. Because in what world do the Kansas City Chiefs have any business being a pick'em with the Green Bay Packers? Arguably the best team in football right now, seven and one. Their only loss coming in week one. So uh, uh, they're on a seven-game winning streak. A pick 'em. A pick 'em. Really? What is? What is? This is the thing. The Kansas City Chiefs are. They were so good at one point, and we saw Patrick Mahomes be so good that we can't forget about it. We can't accept the fact that. The the Kansas City Chiefs are just not elite anymore. They they might not make the playoffs. We're not going to talk about that here today. I do want to talk maybe the road for Baltimore not making the playoffs like I stated, but listen. How can this game open up with Aaron Rodgers under center as a pickem against the Kansas City Chiefs? Now, the Kansas City Chiefs are minus 9 points. 9 point favorites three hundred and forty dollars on the money line so if you lived somewhere other than Ohio and you you know you lived out of the state and you wanted to you know say I don't know say you wanted to make a hundred bucks on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs this weekend well you would have to pay three hundred and forty dollars to do so if you wanted to make a thousand bucks you'd have to bet three thousand four hundred dollars in order to do so that's what Vegas is telling you, that without Aaron Rodgers, they are now more than a touchdown underdog to the Kansas City Chiefs, who have turned the ball over more than anybody in the league. They did beat the New York football giants on Monday Night Football, but they looked awful doing it. I don't know, man. I I don't understand why, I, I, I you. I would have thought, I would have thought that the, Packers would have been you know a touchdown favorite and then close to a pick when Aaron Rodgers doesn't come out I don't know that Kansas City can beat anybody by nine points anybody Jordan Love Patrick Mahomes not Patrick Mahomes Aaron Rodgers doesn't matter can they win can they win a game by nine points against anyone anyone relevant have they done that this season I'm gonna go off script here I don't know that they have I'm going to check that. I'm not sure that the Kansas City Chiefs have covered a nine-point spread all season long. I'm checking right now. Again, off script, ad libbing. Give me a second. Okay, they won twenty to seventeen against the New York Football Giants. Okay, we knew that. They lost to the Titans. Okay, they did beat the Washington Football Team thirty-one to thirteen. They beat Philly by twelve. And they beat Cleveland by four. So the Giants, the football team, the Eagles, and Cleveland, they did cover two of those games by nine points. But I I mean, we're talking about Philadelphia and Washington. They essentially have backup quarterbacks in there anyway. So to talk about Aaron Rodgers being out, yes, that is huge. And if you are a sports better, I would advise you stay away from this game. Unless it's, you know, a little and bink on the Green Bay Packers money line. Because I think that holds value. But how much value would Jordan Love under center? I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I thought that was weird. But let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens. They play the Vikings. They are 5-2. and two And they get them at home. Now, I do think the Baltimore Ravens do win this game. And they go 6-2. and two. But let's just say, hypothetically speaking, hypothetically speaking, they do win the next two games. They would be 7-2 and two after beating Miami and Minnesota. 7-2, and two, really good uh, record. Looks like you're going to win the division. Looks like you're going to go to the playoffs and do some damage. Here's where the schedule gets tough. And here's where I kind of shy away from the Baltimore Ravens because the last seven games, not easy. Okay, it's not favorable for Baltimore. Let's just pretend they, they, they get these dubs these next two weeks. Automatic victories in, in a lot of people's eyes. One of them is a Thursday night game against the Dolphins. Vikings versus Dol- Or Vikings and Dolphins. Let's just, let's just give them a win here. 7-2. and two. So now they're 7-2 and two and they get the Bears in Chicago. By this time, you have to expect that if Justin Fields is going to pop, he's already done it or is, is about to or he's just not going to. But that's not where I where I where I see this game. The way I see this game is that defensive line, man. That defensive front seven with the linebackers. You saw it, Cleveland. Nick Chop couldn't run the ball to save his life. It took Kareem Hunt to come in there, you know, and rush for almost 150 yards that game against that Bears defense. I don't know that Baltimore is going to be able to run against this defense, and it's going to result in. Lamar Jackson throwing the ball. You can give me the Bears to upset here and beat the Baltimore Ravens. And by this time, the the, the Bears could be looking to go above 500. You know, they are three and five. We're talking about two games b- b- before that. They could be five and five going into this football game. And you never know. But I think the Bears could beat the Ravens. And that would make them fall to seven and three. Now, we've seen the Browns at seven and three miss the playoffs before. Haven't we, Cleveland? Yes, we have. This is where it gets really tough. Because if you do lose that game to the Ravens, you are 7-3. and three. You play the Cleveland Browns with a chip on their shoulder Sunday night football. It's in Baltimore. I don't care. The Browns could win that game. And let's just say the Browns do win that game. Now, this is going to be a lot of speculation, a lot of what-ifs. But I'm I'm drawing it out for you, just pretty much telling you that the Baltimore Ravens, to win the the AFC North and to go into the the playoffs, it's not... It's not stamped in. It's not a given. They still have work to do. Let's say they lose to the Browns. They go to Pittsburgh, okay, before another Browns matchup in Cleveland. Maybe a look ahead spot against the Steelers team in Big Ben's one of Big Ben's last times against the Baltimore Ravens. His last time at Heinz Field against the Baltimore Ravens. Let's say they let's say they knock the Ravens off. Let's say we get help from Pittsburgh and they knock the Ravens off seven and four. Then you get Cleveland at home, two game losing streak. Or excuse me, three game losing streak now. Hmm. Hmm. So you are seven and five. You're on a three game losing streak. You get the Browns again. Let's say you lose that game because, like I said, speculation, but it's not impossible. Say the Browns sweep the Ravens. You're seven and six. Now you get to play the Green Bay Packers. You're losing that game, seven and seven. So just like that, just like that, you start 7-2. and two. You lose to the Bears, which, which I mean, that's not out of the question. You lose to the Browns. You lose to the Steelers. You lose to the Ravens. And then you lose, or excuse me, you lose to the Browns again. And then you lose to the Packers. You're 7-7. Seven and seven. Now, I get it. A lot of speculation. I'm a Homer Browns fan at this point. What do you do there? You're 7-7, seven and seven and you have Cincinnati at Cincinnati, who's going to be fighting for a playoff spot, we think. You have the Rams at home, who should shut you up and shut you down pretty easily. And then you finish against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I think could be their next win after losing to possibly the Bengals again. Or even if they beat the Bengals, lose to the Rams, and then beat the Steelers. Well, you're two games above 500. One game, actually. You finish 9-8. and eight. This is not over, Cleveland. You have to look at everything. Take all the intangibles. Take everything out of this whole thing and check everyone. Pittsburgh's done. I don't care that they have the head-to-head advantage against the Cleveland Browns. If Pittsburgh Steelers finish with the same record as the Browns, and that matters... Well, then, damn it, I was wrong. Because either the Pittsburgh Steelers were a lot better than I thought they were, or the Cleveland Browns were a lot worse than I thought they were. I don't think that's going to matter. I think it matters for the morale in the locker room. I think if the Browns win that game on Sunday against Pittsburgh last week and Odell gets into the end zone, we might not have the conversations we're talking about today but at the end of the day, the Baltimore Ravens at 5-2 and two do not have a very easy schedule when you're talking about three division games back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Two of them are against the Browns, one of them against Pittsburgh. You don't even get that cupcake Cincinnati, which isn't even a cupcake anymore, followed by the packers and then another divisional game and then arguably the best team in football the rams so the last four games of the ravens schedule they will get to play the what we think are two of the top teams and not just the nfc the entire national football league with the packers and the rams they do get them both at home but like i said these teams should come into baltimore and smack them baltimore is easy to beat If you match up well against Baltimore, it's hard for the Ravens to beat you. And I think they match up very well against Baltimore. I think all of these teams match up very well against Baltimore. The Bears, the Browns, the Steelers just because of the history, the Packers. the only one that really makes no sense and doesn't really make any sense to me why they match up well, other than maybe they could just put up more points because they are a a throw-first team and Baltimore's a run-first team, the Bengals. But that's about it. Every other team is a total mismatch for Baltimore. And we also have to speculate also that they win against the Vikings and the Dolphins, which they should. But you don't want to lose this game to the Vikings this weekend. There's a lot of pressure these next two games if you're the Baltimore Ravens against the Vikings and the Dolphins. Because you can't drop one of these games knowing this, the last seven games that you have. Let's talk about playoffs, okay? Teams that that are playoff teams. The last seven games are against teams that right now are in the playoff mix. Now, the Steelers in the Bengals, I don't think they will make the playoffs, but at least right now, they have a better record than the Browns do. So, it's going to be hard for me to stamp the Baltimore Ravens even with winning this week against the Vikings, even with going on Thursday night football and moving to 7 and 2 and looking like the best damn team in the AFC. I just have to see the whole entire season play out and do not be shocked if the last seven games of the season for the Baltimore Ravens are a living nightmare and a living hell because it's not easy and I think Cleveland's schedule quite frankly is easier. We touched on it in yesterday's show. We can touch on it for a brief moment in case you missed yesterday's show but Cleveland's schedule is much more doable I don't care what ESPN ranks the schedule at. We're going to beat the Bengals Sunday. Damn it, I don't care. Then we get New England on the road. Not worried about that one. I get it. It's Bill Belichick. I understand that Mac Jones is playing well. But the thing about the the, the Patriots this season is, is the Patriots have been dominating these younger quarterbacks. I don't necessarily think Baker is in that younger quarterback discussion anymore. I don't know. It's not going to be an easy victory, but I think the Browns can beat the Patriots and go on a little two-game winning streak, which is only going to propel them to a three-game winning streak against the Lions. The last couple games for the Browns are the Lions, the Ravens, the Ravens again, which I think benefits Cleveland, unlike Baltimore, who has Pittsburgh in the middle of that. So while Cleveland is on the bye week figuring out what happened in the first Baltimore game getting ready to go to the second Baltimore game Baltimore is going to be in Pittsburgh taking on the Steelers that's an advantage to the Browns they also get the Raiders again they do play the Packers this one's on the road and I do think they lose that one but again, the Steelers, again, on the road after the loss 15-10 to 10 last Sunday, they're going to win that game, and they're going to beat the Bengals week 17 if that game even means anything to the Cleveland Browns. Listen, the Browns will be all right. The Browns will be all right. And that the, the Ravens schedule game, yeah, sure, a lot of speculation. I'm keeping up hope, man, because quite frankly, I don't know what to think right now. I don't know if this, I don't know if the Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr. experiment has failed. I don't know how, I I really don't know how to think about this because I wanted Odell to work here in Cleveland. That's, that's the bottom, that's the bottom line. That's the God's honest truth. I wanted it to work and it's not. And that's just a failure. That's a failed situation. I'm not pointing blame on anyone, but it's a failed experiment and to be fair to Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, Odell Beckham Jr. was not brought in by them. But I think it should be noted that they did everything in their power to keep him here and we'll just have to see and move forward. I hope they can figure it out. I'm very hopeful that they can move on and go on and beat Cincinnati. But with or without Odell, I think Sunday is a win for the Browns and we start to turn the season around. Thanks for listening to the Burley Gunner Show on the Cleveland Sports Fan Network, clevelandsportsfan.com, Apple Podcast, and Red Circle. We'll talk tomorrow. Burley Gunner Show.